Well, all right. Start ya. Citizens of the universe, recording angels. We have returned to claim the pyramid. Partying on the mothership. I am the mothership connection. Welcome back to another edition of ES250 Intro to African American Studies. I'm Dr. Courtney Cox, and we are so lucky to have a fantastic guest today. He is Samana Shrawi, the creative mind behind the Afrofuturism animated series that you watched for class this week. And I'm just grateful that he's here with us to talk a lot about Afrofuturism in general. So most mainstream introductions to Afrofuturism most recently have been through the astral plane of Black Panther. There's Wakanda as a futuristic, economically wealthy African country, which has protected itself from colonialism and the mining of its resources. That's one way to imagine different futures, but there's also the way that Black Panther communicates with his father that speaks to both looking forward and looking back. As Jeremy Palasik writes in describing Afrofuturism as full of fantastical paradoxes, he writes that, quote, Africa is both glorious past and technocratic future. So in welcoming Samantha, and I, I want to think about Afrofuturism, you know, we typically, for me, I think about Janelle Monet, I think about Shabazz Palaces, Kamasi Washington, Terrence Nance, Arthur Jaffa. Um, so that's a lot of different people that are artists, musicians, directors, creators. And you're an incredible music journalist, firmly planted on the ground here in the present, um, whether you're at shows and studios or helping artists collaborate with one another. How do you see Afrofuturism? Oh, wow. That's, um, it's something I've spent a lot of time thinking about. Uh, thank you for the great introduction, by the way. Um, it's, uh, I, for me, I, uh, I always take it back to Sun Ra just because I think that's like, because first of all, because music is my thing. Um, and that's probably like, I guess, arguably like the earliest recorded like inference we have of it. Um, and for Sun Ra, he made it really clear if you, if you watch Space is the Place that this was uh, specifically um, like a reaction to the really deadly racism in the United States that we've had since the beginning. And it was about escape and like a utopia for black people where they could go and not have to worry about all like the dumb things and terrible things that happen. So for me, I think that's the root of it. And then everything that comes after it is a different interpretation of that idea. So whether it, it's a superhero like Black Panther or George Clinton throwing a party on a spaceship or you know Missy Elliott and the brat like fighting aliens in a music video, I think it all, these are all like, like sunrise, the root of that tree. And these are all like branches that come out of it in different ways that are amazing. You know, that's really, that's really great thinking about like these connections and Sun Ra kind of as like the OG of all of this, right? And now we theorize about it in academia. There's so many films, um, shows and, and music that really resonates. Um, so obviously there is this kind of afterlife to this original kind of encounter. Why did you want to do a series on Afrofuturism? Oh, well, um, I think that like you, the seeds were probably first, for me, were first planted. Like I remember seeing these Missy Elliott videos uh, when I was young, but I didn't have like, like the historical knowledge to connect them to anything. I just thought they were really cool. And then when I went to college is when I found out about Sun Ra. And so that's when I started to connect the dots. And then somewhere in there is when, um, you know, like 
is when like Janelle Monet was really like coming to prominence. And then Khalil Joseph started making these incredible videos that just were like, unlike anything we had ever seen before. And I thought that it wasn't like, these things weren't a coincidence. Like they're all, even if it was a loose connection or like a subconscious connection, they are all related in some way. And I thought that there should be a place where you can see these things and the way that they're connected and some historical context. That was kind of the inspiration for it. Yeah, and it's really great. In the first part, we're introduced to Sun Ra and the orchestra, right? Mm -hmm. As mentioned by Little Sims, the narrator, the concept of Afrofuturism continues to resonate with folks. Why do you think there is that resonance that kind of spans that time? What is it that we cling to, whether it's visually, um, in songs that may not seem to connect otherwise to space? <laughs> Why is space still the place? Um, wow, uh, I love the way you worded that. Um, I think that the really gritty dark answer is because um, like conditions here haven't really improved so much since Sun Ra first was talking about this stuff. The, the progress we've seen is like, if any, is like very, very incremental and very small. And so I think, uh, again, if it is like for Janelle, who I've never had the chance to talk to, but even if it's just a subconscious thing um, and she's, it doesn't know anything about Sunra, which I, I assume she probably does. I think there's still uh, at the root of it, this idea of like getting out of this place where terrible things happen and going somewhere where you have like more control over your body and the things that happens to it, you know? Um, so I think that's why I think it's because the, the oppression still exists. So last week um, in class, we watched the Janelle Monet emotion picture. And one of the things that I, I think it's vivid there, and, and granted her, her latest album doesn't stick to kind of the same kind of Cindy Mayweather theme mm -hmm. as strongly as the, as the previous ones, but it's definitely still there. It's definitely part of this lineage, this um, we're beyond the trilogy at this point, but th there's this legacy that she starts with a very um, robotic future that there's this idea of there's still these civil rights issues. They're just through these androids that are trying to have autonomy for themselves. Um, she's part of this, this vibrant history and you connect her in the pieces to other black women across, whether it's real scientists that we may unfortunately know best from hidden figures to Latina Uhura um, on Star Trek the first black person represented on TV in space. So we have both these lived experiences of women taking Americans into space to fictional representations of the future. Why is that connection important to think about both like entertainers, scientists, as well as actresses all kind of in the same conversation? Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think there's like, there's different facets to that. Um, first of all, I do think that even though there is like kind of a dark reality to why this is such a, a popular thing across these different fields. I do think that also part of it is entertainment. Like the idea of flying through space is really fun and cool, but specifically uh, thinking about Lieutenant Uhura and um, these black women who were like running the show at NASA and we never knew about. Um, I think for me, it was important to connect those dots because in those two specific examples, these things were happening at the same time, which is, again, really, really interesting to me. Um, and there's something definitely cosmic about it. I don't know if, like, like Uhura made her debut on Star Trek 
I think like two or three years before we went to the moon. So I don't know if I would imagine the writers of Star Trek probably didn't know what was happening at NASA at the time. So if that's the case, I have to give them even more credit because they really, they really probably sat down and thought about it and realized that in like a truly advanced society, racism would be seen as counterproductive. Like, I feel like if aliens came down like right now and visited America, they like probably, they probably wouldn't even think twice about, or even once about reparations. They'd just be like, oh yeah, like, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, like you're holding people back. So I feel like that connection was important to make because these things were happening at the same time. And I bet that those women at NASA probably loved seeing Uhura, like a black woman in a leadership role. Like that, that was probably amazing. Yeah, I think I think the status of her as a lieutenant is really important. Um, yeah. I think that's something that that you definitely point out in the in that particular episode. And and then there's also the George Clinton episode, which might be my favorite one. <laughs> Connecting, you know, we have this connection um, through George Clinton, Sun Ra, Jimi Hendrix, um, and we get more of the sonic aesthetic of Afrofuturism. What it sounds mm -hmm. like for you is Afrofuturism. What kind of qualifies a song or a musical artist to be um, after Afrofuturistic, right? Is it just mentioning planets and space when you sing? Uh, what are the musical forms that Afrofuturism takes for you in terms of instruments, lyrics, vibrations? Um, what does it sound like to you? I think it's um, really cool to think about it like as a spectrum um, where you can have like someone who just like mentions Neptune in a song, like future or whatever. But um, you know, I do, I think it doesn't always have to be like campy with the sound effects or using like instruments like the theremin, though, like, I think that definitely helps, helps you imagine things. But I definitely, I, I do look to lyrics a lot of times. And I think that a lot of times when you get these kinds of lyrics, like two of my favorite examples are uh, Jimi Hendrix, um, Third Stone from the Sun and Up from the Skies, like Third Stone from the Sun, it has the spacey feel to it and it was like very intentional on his part and it's like this narrative about aliens like flying through space and like flying past planet earth in that song i think they like blow up earth because they hate it so much or something but then on his next album he had up from the skies which again is from the perspective of aliens who happen across planet earth but this time instead of blowing it up they're like really contemplate like there's a, there's a lyric in the song where um, I see, they say like, I see you got some of your people locked up in cages or something like that. So they're like really looking at like, again, for Hendrix, it was, even though I don't think he was, he wasn't, he never made so many like any kind of like anthemic statements about racism, but this was his way of talking about it. This is his special way of talking about it. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think, uh, it, it can be in the sound of the music. It can be in the lyrics. Hendrix was a great example of doing both at the same time. And uh, it just makes me wish, like, if he, if he wouldn't have died, like, it would have been so cool to see Hendrix, like, in an episode of The Twilight Zone. How cool would that have been? Oh. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking also, you know, there's a couple of things there. I think, um, first of all, I want to think about future, because you do you mentioned future, mm -hmm. a rapper future, mm -hmm. in the pieces, but I think that 
people might not think that about Future. And so we read and during our African American Music Week, they we they read a, a piece about Future. Wow. Um, and thinking about Future and grief, right? How mm-hmm. the sadness of Future's music is mm-hmm. really about grief and regret, right? So we see totally. it, you know, it can be viewed on the outside as turn up music, as glorifying things like drugs and alcohol, but actually at its heart, it's actually talking about the emptiness of these things, these things that don't that don't make you happy. That that you can't be you can't be happy with money and fame and women. These things still leave you depressed at the end of the day. Totally. Um, so thinking about futures music and kind of giving it that depth, and now we're kind of adding a later layer of Afrofuturism. My first question is a very simple one. Okay. I'm guessing that because you're putting future in that category, you are saying that it is definitely dress it up and go to NASA versus <laughs> dress it up and go to NASA as in the comics. I'm guessing that's true, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've always I'll, heard I'll stand NASA. yes, I'll 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 stamp myself on that side of uh, on that side of the debate. Yes. Um, regarding yeah. the March, March Madness series, guys. <laughs> um, huge debate in rap music. And I, I also want to think about the fact that someone that, for me as well, growing up, Missy Elliott was definitely that person mm-hmm. that embodied like this cool Afrofuturistic, and it's like extends beyond Timbaland to like Aaliyah had a lot of Afrofuturism in her music videos as mm-hmm. well. And it's the visuals. It's like the sound can sound futuristic and fun. There are definitely things I think Timberland does in terms of production that gives me future, For futurism, sure. um, yeah. I should say, in the sound. Yeah. Um, but there's also the visuals. She's firmly in the future, in space. Uh, mm-hmm. What is it about Missy that for you takes Afrofuturism to the next level? You know, we end with Missy, but Missy is really just the beginning of a new era of Afrofuturism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, th- the great thing about Missy is that where like future i think we can kind of see as like a a blues singer how you mentioned where it's like the stuff the, the subject matter is actually really really sad missy was like uh, or is she's still around thank goodness missy is like um <clears throat> it's like a celebration it's like it's like the words i would use are like celebration like authority like she is she is in charge in all of these scenarios and she's on top of it and that was just incredible to see. I also think about two things with Missy. One, how lucky we were that she came around in the time of like the big budget music video era. And then two, the fact that she was putting out these videos at the same time that Octavia Butler was putting out her parable series. Like um, the second parable book came out in 98 or 99, I think. And Missy's first album, like with Socket To Me and I Can't Stand The Rain, uh super duper fly like came out in 97 so this was like again i don't know how conscious all of this stuff was but it's so cool to think about happening at the same time i think that missy and timbaland knew that the music they were making you had to have these videos you couldn't just have like you couldn't just be in the club in these music videos like this these the sounds that timbaland was making the things that the visions that missy had just they called for this kind of stuff and something that maybe your students might be interested in uh, looking up is, um, I think this was before Missy's first album came out, like very, very early Virginia Beach days, Timbaland and uh, Pharrell put out a song called Big White Spaceship, which um, was, we used as inspiration for that episode. So in, in the Missy episode, you see them flying around in a big white spaceship. So that's like a direct reference to that song, which is, to me, I, I wish it was on streaming, but that's for sure like one of my favorite, if we're talking about Afrofuturism playlist, it's definitely for sure about like 
getting stoned, but also the image of a big white spaceship with Timbaland and Pharrell flying around. Like, I love that. And then Pharrell goes on to call his record label Star Trek. It's perfect. Yeah, I was going to say, there's there's definitely, I mean, definitely Pharrell's sound and just the, the ADRD sound in general, the Neptune mm-hmm. sound, the mm-hmm. Neptunes. Come there on. There it is. There it is. Um, there are these ways that it's just kind of like the more you, like once you see it, you can't unsee it. Like there's yeah. all of these various ways that there's been um, a huge connection between African-Americans making music, especially in terms of R&B, jazz, and hip hop, and the connection um, to a larger understanding of space, of sound, uh, the coolness of NASA, dressing oneself up to go to NASA. <laughs> if you were making another episode, mm-hmm. who would you feature? You know, if if I had gotten to do another episode, I think that it would have for sure had to be Janelle Monet. Like she's just completely embraces it. And she gives us like where Sun Ra was imagining like this like perfect utopia of escape. I think she gives us like a balance between Sun Ra and Octavia Butler. Like Octavia is like totally dystopian. Sun Ra is like totally utopian. Her, I think the the universe that she created in her art is somewhere in the middle where we do have this advanced society where maybe like the humans don't experience any discrimination, but the robots, the androids do. Um, and that's so fun to think about. There's a whole, you could you could do like, I, I want her to have like an actual movie. That would be great to me. We did get some, like her people reached out to us after we put out the series, her manager did, but the talks never really went anywhere. But they were, we were at one point talking about doing something, um, but it's just cool to know that we ended up on her radar. That's really, really cool. And there's been yeah. so many, so many great people have given you a shout out or mm. posted you a Solange's one. Oh, that was um, so that- cool. Yeah, um, that, that obviously there's an appreciation for this work. Before mm. I let you go, there's one other question that I think some okay. people might be interested in that are, are doing kind of cool creative work. Why did you decide to make it animated versus maybe doing a more documentary style project? You know, I think that we, we did initially when we were brainstorming, we had talked about doing interviews with all these people and uh, originally RIP, I wanted to have um, Ross G be the host. So I wanted to have Ross G, if your students aren't familiar, he was kind of like like a behind the curtains key figure in the LA beat scene and is like super strongly connected to like Flying Lotus and Thundercat and these people who we more think of as like front-facing Afrofuturism people um, and Kamasi. But uh, definitely look up Ross G's music. Anyway, so the original idea was yeah, let's have Rosti host it and let's interview Janelle and Flying Lotus and all these people um, about it. But the more we thought about it, it was two things. Animation definitely lends itself to being a little more like creative in the final product and in what you see. I mean, yeah, we got to have, we got to reimagine the Socket to Me music video, which we definitely couldn't have done in just a straightforward documentary. It was that, but then it was also uh, a timing thing. We were we were actually under time constraints. We had to pump out <laughs> content uh, within, like, I remember originally we just had one animator and she was like, oh, uh, Monica Ahanonu, who y- your students should look up. She was like, oh yeah, you know, if it's just me, this is gonna take me like a few months. And our bosses were like, oh no, we need this done quicker. So then we had her and then we hired a team to go with her to pump out the rest of the series. So yeah, I think the ideal world would have been both. It would have been 
like a docu-series that featured animation uh, for each of the people that we interviewed, but I'm still, I'm still happy with the way it turned out. And we got Little Sims to narrate it, which the, the idea behind that was her, like, I don't know if she still runs with them, but when she was first starting out, her rap crew that she ran with was called Space Age. And so I was like, okay, Sims is perfect for this. So perfect. So perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been incredible insight into not only your creative process behind this, but like a really great reading and understanding of Afrofuturism. I'm posting all of your stuff. People can find (laughs) you everywhere um, doing amazing things. Thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate you. Um, Thank you for the great questions. I'm always inspired by your questions, truly. So you know how to ask them. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah.